Clear prop. Star 73 is Cherokee, number two, following twin traffic, three mile final. There's something up. One trailer Bravo, Rakesford in runway 25, going uh, four mile final. This is Behind the Prop with United Flight Systems owner and licensed pilot Bobby Doss and his co host, major airline captain and designated pilot examiner Wally Mulhern. Now, let's go Behind the Prop. What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby, how are you? I am fantastic as always. This week is part two of Common Airs on Check Rides. Last week we talked about everything up to the passenger briefing. We did some preparation stuff, we did some oral stuff. We had our guest, Pat Brown, in the room, and we have him back this week. Welcome again to the show, Pat Brown. Thank you very much, and pleasure to be here, always. So, lots of learning, lots of. Uh, Comments and feedback on last week's episode. We love it. Uh, keep us engaged. This week, uh, we're going to talk about everything from the passenger briefing on. So uh, the the Daytona 500 was just a couple of weeks ago. Let's go ahead and start our engines. What do you think, guys? Yeah, let's go. All right. Clear, clear prop. Clear prop. <laughs> clear prop. <laughs> Anyone ever not say that? Not for me. I, they're pretty good about that. Yeah, they are. But, but what I do see is I hear... Clear plop, you know, and then, you know, um, I, I say, you know. Give it a second. If, if there's someone out there, you know, give them a little time to run. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So clear prop, maybe look out there and then, you know, just give it one potato, two potato and then yeah. start that engine. Again, not a little out of context, but I remember my CFI says, you ever thought about looking right behind the plane before you start it? Because, and I just never really did as a young pilot, but he said, clear prop. Look at the back window because you're about to blow a lot of wind that way. Yeah. You don't want to knock a guy off a ladder back there, yeah, right? exactly. So, all right, so we've cleared prop, and we're going to start the engines. Oh, Boy. and please, God, please don't start the engine at 2,000 RPM. Please. Yeah, please. And leave it there. We're in my. <laughs> we're actually in my office right now, which it's, the weather's bad again today, so there's not too many engines starting. But I can hear everything out there, the 45 seconds of cranking, the 2,000 RPMs for three minutes while they're working on checklists. Please, please, please don't do that. All right, so let's go, guys. What do you think? Are there common air starting starting aircraft? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, uh, you know, a lot of airplanes, if you dig in the POH, have several start procedures. They probably have a cold engine. They probably have a hot engine. And then they probably have a, maybe have a flooded start procedure. And uh, they're all significantly different. And the, the bigger engines usually have more, you know, difficulty, if you will. I, I know my Saratoga until I really uh, got to know the airplane. I mean, if, if, if the engine was shut down for 30 minutes, it was going to be a bear to start. If it was shut down for five, ten minutes, no problem. Shut down for three weeks, no problem. But when that, or maybe when it shut down for maybe an hour, so it was kind of like a, a warm engine. That was that was the tough one to start. And I've finally, after owning the airplane for about five years, finally got it figured out. Takes a while sometimes. I see the same thing, you know, with uh, uh, with engine starts. Almost always cold morning, cold start. They just don't give it enough gas, right? And they wonder, and we then we sit there just cranking the engine and cranking and the starter, and your oil's getting scraped off the cylinder walls and things like that. Or they, or it'll be a hot start, and they'll treat it like a cold start, and it'll start, it'll flood, 
and it, you know, it'll want to catch and then it'll backs off to that same old sound. Like it's either not got enough gas or it's got too much gas. And sometimes you hear, you hear the engine, there, there's a particular sound that the engine, a particularly carbureted engine makes that is a dead giveaway on a flood. And it, it's kind of, I don't know if I can make the sound, but it's kind of like a, kind of a sound. A burping almost sound. Yeah. Kind of well, gulping. Yeah. Gulping when you sound. hear a gulping sound, that's, that's kind of what it is. And when you hear that, that's a dead giveaway. It's, it's flooded. And yet what they keep doing, just, if they'll stop for a second, they'll say, okay, what should I do? Oh, let me give it some more gas. And they'll, you know, give it a couple of more shots of, of the accelerator pump. And it's just, now it's just worse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I've had a couple of times I've had mechanics at various flight schools come running out saying, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong with the airplane starting? I have to say, back off. This is a check ride. They've got to figure it out themselves. I'm not going to let them, I'm not going to let them ruin the engine, but they got to figure it out themselves. So right. I've never had to stop a check ride because they couldn't get it started. But oftentimes on the debrief, there's quite a discussion about, what happened and yep. how we could have avoided that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something I don't like to listen to from in here too often because <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money and it's a lot of time and you, you, you got to know how to start engines. We've done entire shows on that, so we won't belabor the point, but it is something that is a technique that you have to learn over time. And the only point I'll make, I guess, is a hot engine doesn't need six pumps of primer. No. It's not going to help the cause at all. So. Right. All right, so we've got it started. We take a deep breath. We've got the engine started. This is probably where I would think the applicant really gets into PIC mode, and they're they're trying to do the right thing. So, what comes next from Common Airs, gentlemen? Well, you want to go? Uh, you can go. <laughs> okay. Who's gonna be PIC right now? Yeah. Um, well, um, all right. So uh, we're taxiing out to let's say the run-up area this there's a center line on the runway it's there for a reason and they're either weaving all over the place trying to set their dg or or their hsi or tune frequencies or something like that Um, taxi is for taxi and the center line is there for a reason so that's what you should be doing you should be paying attention to taxiing and staying on the center line that's a real common error yeah yeah there's a problem here on this taxiway yankee by our school where there's a lot of cars parked and i think we've we've maybe created a monster by deviating just a little bit and and teaching people it's okay which could create a really bad habit somewhere else where they think they can deviate and and clip something right i mean that center line is technically it's supposed to be the farthest point from either side of that of that of that taxiway for sure so well well, from an obstacle uh, clearance perspective if you're on the center line the likelihood of you hitting something with your wingtip is certainly not none but it's significantly reduced and and yeah that you know i don't know i don't know the answer to your situation but that you know you're you're kind of tacitly teaching them normalization of deviation yeah yeah not me i just think it's a problem right And, and what i what what i have seen is is if you're taxing out, maybe the obstacle that you see is on the left. So your tendency is to fl- to taxi a little bit right of the center line, but your eyes are to the left, but you're going right. Yeah. So uh, what could go wrong here, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say just that initial call up to um, ground control. Um, you know, you call up... Um, 
such and such a tower, Skyhawk one two three Bravo Charlie at such and such a flight school, like to taxi for takeoff or run up or whatever the appropriate verbiage is for your airport. Um, you know, if if ground does not answer you, um, and then you call them again, and they don't answer you, and then you call them again, and they don't answer you. At some point, you got to look in the mirror and say, maybe I'm the problem. And uh, very likely, your volume is down on your radio or your headset. Mm -hmm. A lot of these airplanes, I know the ones that have the Garmin 430s and the 530s, there's a little RX that lights up when you are receiving. So if you're receiving and you're not hearing anything, you're probably the problem. Um, this just happened about, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago with with a young man. And he made about four calls, and uh, then he finally figured out what the problem is. And, and I kind of jokingly said, I said, well, you got to call them now, and they're going to be pissed at you because you've just stepped all over all kinds of traffic on the ground control frequency. And they were. They they let them know that they were not happy with them. But, you know, at some point you just got to swallow your pride and go for it. And that's assuming that they're tuned to the right frequency because right, it, it could be right, a wrong frequency right. too. Right, yes. Yes. Yeah, audio panels, I'm sure that's an issue. And <laughs> that's a big, big deep well oh, yeah. we won't dive into. But yeah. um, I, let's – okay, so we've taxied. What about – I think I was – as, as training beat into the, we got to do these crosswind controls and all these other things, right? Are you expecting some demonstration of that even on a two knot wind day or only in a high wind day or only when it's required, I guess? I, I want to see that they're aware of it. Right. Um, you, you know, if, if they're aware of it, you know, you, you know you're kind of giving us a, a, the extremes here, a two knot day. You know. Sure. Yeah. If it's a calm wind day, I don't really care. If it's, if it's, even if it's two knots, off the nose just an awareness that you know we've got we don't have much of a wind but i'm going to go ahead and put the controls in the right way and they're demonstrating that they that that they're aware good yeah good point um i guess really the next phase of this would be the run-up anything to talk about in the run-up from a common air's perspective um you know i i think one thing that um Maybe we see a lot of, well, I won't say a lot, but occasionally you do see um, issues with spark plugs, fouled plugs. And so uh, at some point uh, we do have to go through a cleaning procedures. A lot of airplanes have procedures for it on the checklist. I know one flight school has it on their their plastic checklist in the, in the airplane. So it's it's just a matter of just going through that checklist for the cleaning procedure for the spark plugs. Yeah, I don't think I was versed in that really well. I don't think mm-hmm. I, if it would have happened to me, I don't think I'd have done a great job for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so run up pretty much the checklist. We follow through on that. Next, we're ready. We're ready for departure. Radios. What's what's the next big common error if one? Well, you know, I mean, Wally probably does more check rides out of controlled field, towered fields than I do. I do a lot of them out of non-towered fields as well, and and. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I, I guess I really don't see a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of real common errors on that. Typically, I'll start off with a, a short a, a, a short field takeoff. That's kind of my go-to first takeoff. And uh, once again, I come back to really to holding the center line. Um, that particular that particular takeoff. 
um, you know, can be problematic if they don't have the proper crosswind corrections in there. They don't get enough right rudder in there. Um, holding the center line is probably probably the big one on that one. Do your applicants seem to take the runway a lot? Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. That, that I was I was really gonna I was really gonna avoid pet peeves on on radio work because that's an entire one uh, uh, by itself. And we've actually talked about that in a previous podcast. The three of us. I couldn't could, resist. Sorry. Because I'm gonna say uh, if they say taking the active, I'm gonna say first of all, where are you taking it, and when are you gonna bring it back? So. It, it's funny bringing that up because I I just had this discussion less than five days or oh, about five days ago with a a young man on a check ride and he was a he was a CFI getting a multi engine rating and we were at a non control airport and and that's what he kept saying he says we're taking the runway and uh, and that was part of the debrief I was talking about standard phraseology I go I go I says I I think I said I've got a lot of experience I I said what I think you meant is you're taxing out onto the runway but I says I'm not a hundred percent sure what you mean by that even me so i so why don't we just say we're departing runway whatever yeah yeah and then i got the famous last call yesterday on another check ride oh. <laughs> guy was yeah. turning out and he said last call and it was a great check ride i mean it was on a scale of one to ten it was a nine plus and uh, but we're sitting down afterwards and debriefing and i said so now i'm going to get to pet peeve time <laughs> and we got to the last call thing it says just don't say that yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. necessary. Taking up radio time. Yeah. So we'll, we'll assume private here. Uh, yeah. What What's happening on the short field? What do we start seeing common problems in this phase of flight? Are we talking about short field takeoffs or landings? Short field takeoffs. Sorry. Yeah. We're just taking. We're we just took the runway. Sorry. <laughs> we're departing on one seven right. Short field. You've given the guidance to demonstrate the a short field takeoff. Is, do we start seeing common errors this early in the check ride? Uh, sometimes they'll forget to put the flaps down. Yeah. But, but there are some airplanes that don't require flaps for a short field takeoff, depending on whether it's going to be over an obstacle or not over an obstacle. Right. So the, the applicants that are really sharp will ask me before we taxi out, do we have an obstacle or not? Mm. And that's a that's good on the on the CFI for telling them that. Good. Yep. And, and I do question a lot of applicants will say, because typically what I do is a soft field takeoff on the first takeoff um and they're in a position um maybe in where we're in a we're doing a run-up not right at the runway and um they're going through their before takeoff checklist and it, it mentions flaps and they'll they'll say well i'll get them at the at the runway and and i just i'm thinking why why are why not well it's on the checklist why not set them right now can we taxi over to the runway with flaps 15 or 25 or whatever why it's got to just be bad technique being taught is my assumption for sure right yeah Yeah, it could be and you know you mentioned soft field takeoffs there's an there's another one where that left turning tendency and and uh you know the p factor and all that will take the airplane off the left side of the runway because you've got a lot of back pressure and that nose starts to come up and boy, if you don't get that right rudder in there, that I see that a lot in soft field takeoffs. Again, I, I know I sound like a broken record talking about holding the center line, but every single takeoff and landing in the ACS in the skills le- says holds the and 
paraphrasing, but holds the center line right. Right? Yes. or, or yes. maintains the center line, yeah. lines up with the center line, touches down longitudinally aligned with the runway without side load on the gear. I mean, it, that's every single landing says that. Yeah. And every single takeoff says holds the center line or some verbiage to that effect. So, so I see well, that. Well, one long ago I heard DP tell me that it, the, the, the applicant said well, he was close. That's not what the ACS says. Close only counts in <laughs> hand grenades and horseshoes. Yeah, yeah. Not on the ACS. Yeah. 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 I would. I well, I'll say the applicant. I'll, I will facetiously say, "Are you a taxpayer?" And of course, <laughs> they look at me and they say, "Yeah." And I say, "Well, as a taxpayer, you bought the entire runway, not just the left side. We can use." The whole thing. In fact, <laughs> why don't we just put it down in the middle so we're using the left side and the right side equally? equally. Oh, I like exactly. that. I'm going to steal that yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's just jump to the list. Let's. What What are some of the big common errors you guys see on on private check rides? Maybe we'll have to do a part three on instrument. But oh, yeah. really, what what is the the private errors that that we need to share with these applicants that are out there listening? Well. You know, with with mine, the first thing we do is we start out on the cross country phase, yeah. and um, I what I tell them is I say, okay, tell me when we get to our checkpoints, and tell me how we're doing on time. Are we a minute ahead or on time or whatever? And typically, the first checkpoint that most people have is top of climb. Okay, <laughs> now four flight gives that to you if you're using four flight. But people, t- top of climb is not a checkpoint, okay? Checkpoint is to make sure we're on course. And you're going to hit top of climb at some point. We're going to hit it. We're going to get to top of climb. It doesn't tell us, you know, they'll say, okay, we're at our first checkpoint. It's top of climb. And uh, we're, you know, it, it, they may say we're, we're right on schedule. And I'll say, well, we, are we on course? And they look at me kind of crazy um, because so – uh, although, again, four flight's going to give it to you as as a checkpoint or a, a waypoint or, or whatever you want to call it, but it's not really a checkpoint. No, it's not. Um, I had that happen yesterday. Yeah, and if and, you're not understanding to the listener that's not in the room with hand signals and all, we really need something to see, right? We need yeah. a river. We need a, a set of railroad tracks. We need yeah. something to an intersection of two freeways to say yeah. something. At least yeah. I'm going west, yeah. not east, because you're yeah. going to get to top yeah. of climb yeah. east just like you would going west. <laughs> that's a great point. And the other thing about checkpoints is pick a checkpoint that is no kidding a given point on the ground. If if you're going east and west and you pick a major highway well if you you can be 30 40 50 degrees off on your course you're going to hit that major highway so maybe the checkpoint should be the intersection of interstate 45 and uh jones road okay rather than interstate 45 right yeah that's a good point starting the timer oh yeah yeah. Getting to start the timer is a big right. That was a problem for me. This sounds like I did terrible on the check route, but th- that was always a problem for me was starting that timer. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, at the airlines, we we have a technique. Before every takeoff, we say lights, clocks, and fuel. Every takeoff, most of the time, one of the pilots is going to say lights, clocks, and fuel. Make sure all our Appropriate lights are on, which we got a bunch of lights. Both of us start our clock, and do we have the fuel that we want to have? 
So that I, might be a I good just technique. started flying a plane that had a transponder that started a clock when I left the ground. That was yeah. my solution. Well, that, that that's that's another <laughs> that's thing. That's a great solution, <laughs> and, and most of them do. So yeah. that's that's kind of that's very nice to have. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah for us cross country. I think that's probably the big one, the big two probably. And then there's a the diversion. Yeah. And uh, you know the ACS says that this is a pilotage and dead reckoning thing. And the first question I get sometimes is. Um, well, first thing I see sometimes is they go up to the nearest button on the GPS. Well, sorry, <laughs> can't do that. Um, it, it's a pilotage thing, a dead reckoning thing. So um, just, just you know, when I was teaching a lot, and I still do, but when I was teaching a lot and preparing for somebody, somebody for a check ride, I would tell them, look, the diversion is going to be a realistic diversion. You know, I'm not, I'm, the DP is not going to send you to Dallas on a diversion if we're flying in Houston. It's a, it's going to be a weather con, a diversion or it's going to be a, they're, they're a sick, you're, you're sick in the cockpit diversion or maybe the engine's running a little rough diversion. You're not going to go 75 miles to an airport. What's the closest airport? Be, be aware as an applicant, what are the airports within, a reasonable distance of the course that you've been assigned to fly yeah, and have a reasonable idea of the directions to get to those airports. So the diversion shouldn't be, well, first of all, we're not trying to trick them. I mean, no. I think that's an honest statement. We're not trying to trick them. I could, that's easy to do. We're not trying to trick them. We just want them to be able to turn the airplane from a predetermined course, give us an idea of, of the direction to get to the airport that we we've asked them to go to, or just find an airport that fits this criteria criteria. I might say, I'm not feeling so good. Take me to the nearest non-towered public use hard surface runway you can find. It might be that simple. Right. And right. okay, well, first of all, how do you know it's a hard surface runway? Well, if they know what the symbol looks like, they do. Yeah. You know, and if I might say that has services, yeah. right, well, it's going to have the tick marks on it. Okay. Well, that's okay. It tells me now they know what they're looking for and turn me generally in that direction. How long is it going to take us to get there? How much gas are we going to burn? We'll go for a couple of minutes in that direction. It looks like they've got it all together. Fine. We're done. Now the next for us, for me, the next step is we're done with that steep turns. We'll do steep turns next. Yeah. Okay. So we're probably climbing up, or maybe we're already at three or four thousand feet at this point, something like that. Um, so let's talk about steep turns. Is there a? There's a lot of common errors listed in 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 books, but what what do y'all see on check rides? The what I see is is in somewhere in the airplane flying handbook, it it mentions. If you're losing altitude in a steep turn to um, uh, shallow out your bank, the problem with that is if we go all the way around at 30 degrees, that's not a steep turn. So, to maintain a steep turn, we need to for private pilots 45 degrees. Um, and so, if we go, we start losing altitude, and all of a sudden we shallow out the bank, and we do the whole maneuver at 30, deg 30 degrees, well, that, that doesn't meet the criteria of the maneuver. So in and of itself, we have not just completed a steep turn. Yeah. Clearing turns, another thing. Yeah. Pri prior to starting whatever maneuver you're going to be doing is steep turns. Yeah. So. And I will say this about clearing turns. I, when, when I was an instructor, I, I, 
I always tried to use the phrase, let's clear the area rather than let's perform clearing turns. Because a lot of times I watch the applicant doing clearing turns and it's, it's an IFR maneuver. Their, their head is inside. They're on heading 360, they turn right to 090, and then they turn left to 360, and they go, okay, it's clear. And I said, well, did we look outside? Oh, well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, miss my heading. Well, why are we, why are we doing this? There's we're, no ACS standard for heading on a clearing yeah, term, is there? Exactly, no, exactly. Not. We're, we're trying to make sure there aren't, as best we can, no airplanes out there. And the other thing that, that, that I see is we, we do the clearing maneuvers, and then we take 10 minutes to set up for the steep turn. Mm-hmm. So maybe the way to do it is to set everything up for the steep turn, perform whatever checklist you need to do, get to the speed you want to do, okay, then do the clearing maneuver, and boom, right into the steep turn, because that's the whole point. We don't want to hit anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Is there anything in the turn that, that you see commonly done? I mean, I was, I'm thinking it, so I'm just going to say it, but I had two CFIs that taught me during my private. One was the used trim. One was the not used trim, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe that's not a common error, but one of those would set you up for less success than the other to being a great pilot in my opinion. But do y'all, do you care about that technique or is there an error around that technique? I don't I don't care about one way or the other because there's pros and cons to both. Sure. You know, the 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 upside to using trim in the steep turn is that um you don't have to add a lot of back pressure to make if you get the right amount of trim in there, you don't have to add a lot of back pressure to make it work. Um the downside is that when you roll out, you better get that trim out quick or you're gonna balloon past the hundred feet that you're given. And of course, the downside to um, to not using trim is that you better keep enough back pressure in there to be able to maintain your altitude. So it's one more thing to have to worry about. So you're either worrying about it on the front side by not using any trim, or you're worrying on the back side because you did use trim. Either way, but what I've noticed, it took me a while to kind of figure this out as a CFI. I'm sure that did you too, Wally. That that the, the the biggest common error besides the the the, trim, the great trim controversy we can do that in capital letters the great trim right. controversy um, is when you're entering a left hand steep turn the tendency for the applicant is not to add enough back pressure soon enough and in a right hand steep turn too much too soon too much back pressure too soon just because of the fact you're a parallax on a side-by-side airplane, that parallax makes you look like you're starting a, a, a dive bombing run on some sort of a strafing run or something like that on a right-hand turn. It makes you, it looks like you're in a diving right-hand turn. And the tendency is to haul back on the yoke, and before you know it, you've gained 150 feet. So a left-hand turn, not soon enough. Back, back pressure, not soon enough. On a right-hand turn, too much too soon. Gotcha. Good tips for everybody. And I would say also um, the, you know, I would from a, I don't know, maybe this is more of a CFI type thing, but I I watch the applicant's eyes a lot of time to see mm-hmm. where they are. Mm-hmm. And um, we're probably inside way too much. I, I, my, I, I say we ought to be outside about 85%, 15% inside. And I'm, I'm just, that's just winging it, you know. Um, but you should be outside a lot more than inside. Now, the problem is here in Houston, a lot of times we have hazy days where there's not much of a horizon. And we may be in the clear, but it's, it's, 
it's hard to it just looks like mud out there so yeah. um you know sometimes you can't do that but if you do have a very defined horizon and just pick where that airplane that knows that needs to go on the horizon and keep it there and guess what this airplane is just gonna be rock solid yeah, yeah. the guy that designed it had a pretty good idea how to make it turn yeah mm-hmm. yeah all right what what i, I gotta think stalls are next Stalls or slow flight, either one. Sure. What do you sure. want to talk about? I'd go for it. I, I don't make mistakes on those. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. You just make yeah. improvements, right? Yes. There's no, yeah. I, I usually start out with slow flight, mm-hmm. and what I find is we like to lose altitude on slow flight. And once you get slow, it's going to take a lot of power to maintain that altitude. And And how much power? Well, the answer is whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, you know, once you get down around 50 knots or so, wh- whatever it happens to be in the airplane that you're in, um, you know, you're behind the power curve and it's going to take a lot of power to maintain that altitude. And, and we're supposed to do climbs and turns in slow flight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to do a few, few minor maneuvers, nothing, you know, too crazy but we're gonna we're gonna do some things i think i mentioned this before we started recording to wally pat you might not have been there but you know as a private applicant i was scared to death of this stuff mm-hmm. right this is hard to do y'all are sitting over there drinking your coffee whatever none of this is bothering you because you understand everything but it's pretty hard to think that i can fly this plane this slow and turn 90 degrees and turn yeah. 90 degrees and yeah. climb 100 feet it's 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 for the applicant there's a lot going on not that they shouldn't be able to do it, but I'm just saying there's so much going on compared to the master pilot yeah. in the room and the airline pilot in the room. Well, they 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 make it hard on themselves by by for example, rushing the deployment of the flaps. Oftentimes, I'll see and they'll pull back to 1700 RPMs or 15 or whatever the number is, whatever they've been taught. And as soon as they're inside the wide arc, bam! That first notch of flaps gets pulled in or put down, depending on what airplane you're flying. And if they're not on top of it, they're going to balloon 50, 75, 100 feet right there just because the added lift from, you know, from those yep. flaps. And now they're already behind the eight ball. And now they've got to descend back to their target altitude because it isn't plus or minus 100 feet once you get stabilized in <laughs> slow flight. It's from the time you start the maneuver which is the deployment of the flip, you know, the power in the, in the, in the flaps. And so, so they get themselves behind the eight ball. And I just tell them in the debrief, like, cool your jets, man. Just, just wait, just, just let the airplane slow down. You don't get any extra points for speed here. We got it. We're let's just slow down. And the way I used to teach slow flight was actually throttle back to idle and just, just apply trim and back pressure necessary to keep from losing altitude as soon as you're in the, in, in the, in the uh, wide arc. Add that first notch of flaps or pull in that first notch and then pull in the second one and pull in the third one and then push the power up to 1,900 RPMs and boom, you're done. And then it's just a matter of adjusting pitch and power as necessary to maintain slow flight. And you might have to add a little bit more than 1,900, but in a typical 172 or an Archer, that's about what slow flight is. Right. So, so they make it harder than it needs to be. And the other thing for me is this is a rudder maneuver. This is not an aileron maneuver. If you're told to make a right-hand turn to a heading or a left-hand turn to a heading, add a little bit more rudder to make that right turn, back off that right rudder to make the left turn. Just don't let the bank get steeper than about 5 or 10 degrees. There's nothing that says how steep the bank has to be. 
it's just you just you're turning so let the airplane bank but you know reduce your right rudder until it's uh you know until you're in the bank angle you want that put enough back in to keep getting any steeper and then add more right rudder to level out you can do if you're doing slow flight properly you can actually put your left foot on the floor and fly it with your right foot yeah i do remember that it's been a while since i've been in slow flight but yeah. uh, probably should go practice yeah and then stalls yeah stalls uh holding holding that plus or minus 10 degrees on the recovery especially in a, especially on a power uh power off stall dirty uh when they add power they forget to take into account the torque and boom the airplane goes off to the left and, yeah. and they and they don't get that right rudder in there soon enough yeah yeah and and some to take what you were talking about slow flight is take your time with the stall i mean i i almost wish instead of calling them a power off and a power on stall we would call it a landing stall and a departure stall yeah. because that's what we're simulating sure. uh, a power off stall we're simulating a landing and a power on stall we're simulating a takeoff and and a lot of uh my people and and, and i can't say it's it's wrong i i don't think it's a great technique but they uh, they pull the nose up uh, and and we have this crazy high nose up pitch and it's to, to get the airplane to slow down and and that's that's there's nothing that feels right about it right. you're in the airplane you're going whoa this this is not right um, so we're kind of not simulating a takeoff so I, I say okay let's let's let the airplane slow down at a slower rate and and then add the power. So we're we're trying to simulate because what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn how to get out of trouble if we really when get it. When it naturally trouble. happens, not yes, when we yes. artificially make it happen. Yes, all yes. of us would artificially feel that if we were in a warrior yeah. on a runway yeah. pointing yeah. straight up in the air, something bad's yeah. about to happen. Yeah. But not if we take our eye yeah. off the ball and the throttle comes out while we're pitched up at thirty degrees, right, or twenty degrees mm -hmm. even, right? right? Picking up the wing with the aileron, you know, if wing drives trying to pick it up with the aileron, it'll only make it worse. So, and again, most, a lot of these things, common errors are simply misapplication of rudder in a power on stall, a takeoff stall, as Wally was saying. Um, and once you get to a certain pitch angle, boy, you better start mashing some right rudder in there or you're going to lose your 10 degree heading. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and again, and then, and then the wing drops, why'd the wing drop? Well, because the ball was out of whack, you know? So that's that's those those probably two are the two big ones uh, on on stalls. Everybody says they want to be a DP, but I don't see how y'all sit there and just let the, <laughs> let people do what they do to y'all in those aircraft. All right, what's next? We've done we've done the high work now. We're turning our ways back down towards the ground. Well, we got to get down to the ground. So for me, my then for me the next step is emergency procedures, and. Um, uh, we I do two. One is, is simulated engine fire, and the other was we actually lose the engine where I'll reach back and pull the throttle back. And f at least for me, it's uh, the checklist. Yeah. Again, I'm uh, on a, on on something like an engine fire. Uh, most of the time, they'll go through a flow, which is great because you want to starve the engine of gasoline, accelerant, or whatever you know, and, and get get started downhill. But then they kind of forget to back it up with with a quick look at the checklist and the yeah. same thing with I've, I've lost the engine um, they'll spend an inordinate amount of time um, either trying to slow the airplane down to to their their best glide um, and maybe trying to find a field and we'll lose 500 
or 600 feet before they've even began to pick up the checklist to run the checklist and get the engine started. Seems to me it's probably more important to get the engine started or try to get the engine started um, as it is to find a good field to go yeah, into. Yeah, I, I, and I use the driving down the road in a car. Now, cars are much better than they were, you know, but back in the day, cars would stall. Sometimes you'd be driving down the road and your, your engine would quit, <laughs> at least the cars I drove. Um, and without even thinking about it, your first instinct was reach over to the ignition and start that bad boy up again. You wanted to get it going. <laughs> yeah. um, but sometimes in airplanes, we, you know, we, we okay, engine failure. Okay, I'm going to go land in that field. I go, well, why not start the engine up again? Um, you know, or, or at least let's consider it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it, you know, there's a lot of things that I think I didn't know when I was a private pilot applicant, but you know, the fuel, it could be starved of fuel. It could be a lot of simple things that just gets you right back to going perfectly normal. Oh yeah. Switching um, the fuel. I mean, that alone. We don't want to put the yeah. plane down in the field yeah. for sure. And then the choice of fields, oftentimes you can, you know, they have a disadvantage because these are low time. They've got 20, 30, 40 hours, whatever it might be, 40, 50 hours, for a check ride time, 60 maybe. But uh, they don't have any glider time. And there's nothing wrong with not having any glider time, except you get some glider time, you learn how real quickly to pick a good field. Because sooner or later, if you fly gliders enough, you're going to go down in a field that's not your airport. And I see, in fact, yesterday, again, a great check ride, but uh, the guys chose a, a, what was a, really a freshly plowed field and then lined up perpendicular to the rows. Oh. When, when two fields to the south of that was kind of a light green colored cow pasture. Yeah. So, okay. He would have made the field, and, and and he did everything beautifully. So, okay, so there's a debrief item we're going to talk about, your choice of fields. You know, dark green, probably not good, well, probably all, crops in it. You know? We've all seen the meme of the perfectly green field yeah. just on the other side of a runway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we missed exactly. the runway. Yeah. I, I, I did I, – I, when I was a student, we flew out in the Praxarian. and it was always over a private runway, and he would pull – and I was so lost and confused. I didn't know where I was at. And he was – I put you over this runway every time and you never see it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually had it happen yesterday. Um, the, the young man, I, he picked a field and we were going for it and, and it was going to work. It's going to work. And so after we, I said, okay, let's go around. And, and I said, um, I said, wow, it's look, look over there. It looks, those, those buildings look like hangars. And, and he says, yeah, they do. And I go, and there's a big green thing like on, in the middle of the hangars that looks like a runway and he goes yeah it does <laughs> and i go well you know why they look like hangars you know why it looks like a runway because it is it's yeah. an airport <laughs> and he just kind of we we got a chuckle out of that yeah. um you know um but uh you know i i failed the engine at, at that point anyway to, you know to see if he would see it and 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 I get that. I mean, I, I've I spent a lot of time looking down on mm -hmm. you know, and and so I I've got a lot of experience doing that, um, and so I'm you know there was no uh, no ill will with with that, but we did. There was an airport right there. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What's next? Ground reference maneuvers. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that. Let, let me go back to the 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 engine failure, the engine failure thing. I um, one thing I see a lot is is. Um, Forgetting to tell anybody that you're going oh, down. Yes, of course. And uh, you know, I, I after it's all over with, I jokingly tell them. I said, "Well, so here's the here's the headline in the Houston Chronicle tomorrow. Um, 
Uh, Houston young man crashes airplane in field. He survives the crash, but is eaten alive by wild feral hogs. <laughs> this is because you crashed it and you didn't tell anybody. You know, we've all watched police shows on TV. When a police officer gets in trouble, what's the first thing he does is he calls for backup. So um, it's something, you know, that we can do. And we don't have to even call for it. We have this transponder, and 7700 is a, a beautiful thing. It's a very, very powerful tool. I actually have an app on my phone to where if any airplane in the world squawks 76, 75, or um, 7700, I get a text. And I can click on it, and I can go to the flight, and I can see the airplane um, and, uh, you know, follow, them along, follow along with them. I mean, and this is... This is real time, so that 7700 squawk is a very, very powerful thing. No question, no mm -hmm. question. All right, so back to ground reference maneuvers. Wally, you want to talk, start there? Well, you know, uh, I, I, I don't have the ACS memorized, but I do believe one of the first things uh, on there is clear the area. So don't forget, we're, we should be doing clearing turns on ground reference maneuvers as well. And what I'd say to the applicant uh, is I say, uh, let's climb, you know, I usually do this after the, the engine out scenario. So I say, let's, um, let's fly the appropriate altitude for ground reference maneuvers. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of days ago, a guy says, well, how are you at 2,000 feet? And I said, well, I said, let's do what the ACS says. And he says, well, okay, we'll go down lower. And, uh, you know, I, I, during the debrief, I said, so have you been doing your ground reference maneuvers at 2,000 feet? And he goes, yeah, well, my instructor doesn't like uh, being down low. And I said, well, you did it correctly on the check ride. You Obviously, you passed the check ride, but uh, that's, just, that's just wrong. The ACS says 600 to 1,000 feet AGL. Um, so that, that's what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a big one, and just just misplaying the wind yeah. on on ground reference maneuvers, just misinterpreting, misplaying, mis uh, misapplying, you know, the, the controls for for what the wind is doing to you, and right? Altitude, holding altitude, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the wind is probably pretty close, probably close to the airport you took off from, um, but uh, you know, look look around. There's very very possibly some smoke that you can look at. Smoke's yeah. the easy one. Yeah, smoke sure. is yeah, the easy so one. Yeah, but so is water on a pond. No yeah. You know, that's yeah. a big one. And a lot of this, these, these kids, kids, I say, a lot of these applicants don't don't realize that there's some things that you can look at on the ground, like like water. Right. And there's lots of little ponds around here. Well, right. at 1,000 feet, maybe not 2,000. You might not be able to see the ripples from 2,000. Yeah. Oh, you can, can see the ripples at 2,000 <laughs> feet. So depending on where the sun is, that's, sure. that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's the key there. So, yeah, it's just misplaying the wind on that. So. so I did feel like once I did my two laps around a point, we were headed back. I thought, man, check ride's over. I think <laughs> I've done it. I think I've done it. There's got to be more mistakes. What's left there? What what are what are applicants doing when they're heading back that may be not to standards? Well, I, I won't say to standard, but uh, typically, you know, if, if I do all this just right, at this point, we're probably maybe 18 miles from the airport. We're, you know, I don't like to be 
you know, we, you know, we like to get this thing done in a timely manner. So in a perfect world, I would say we would be about, about 18 miles from the airport. So at this point, what I tell the applicant is, we're lost. Get us back to XYZ Airport. And at this point, I will say, everything is available to you. Okay, if they want to use their GPS, if they want to use ATC, say, hey, I'm lost. Help me out. And at this point, I will be ATC. And I will say, okay, what well, you know, I'll give them a squawk, squawk one two zero zero. Okay, radar contact. Turn left heading so and so. Airport is twelve o'clock and one six miles. Advise when you have it in sight. Um, is what I will say. But so you know, most of them have. We have GPS in most of the airplanes, so they'll plug in the airport and we head to it, and everything's really good. And I'll say, okay, let's go back to such and such an airport and tell me we want to stay in the pattern and do some uh, landings. And uh, I think a lot of them at this point, like you said, Bobby, I think a lot of them maybe go, okay, I'm almost done. Easy Guards part. dropped, make both of right. mistakes. Well, now they forget to, uh, let's tune in and get the ATIS. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and as soon as, as soon as you get that ATIS, maybe you're not going to call the tower until you're uh, maybe 10 miles out, but... There's nothing that says we can't start monitoring tower 16 miles out to kind of get a flow for the airport. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe an, there's an airplane that's disabled on the runway, and maybe the airport's closed. You know, wouldn't that be nice to know now rather than later? No um, question. Maybe there's been a wind shift since we took off and we're landing on a different runway. Um, maybe your controller that you don't like is working or maybe your favorite controller (laughs) whatever but you can kind of get a flavor for the what's going on at the airport by monitoring so yeah let's get the ATIS it's information Victor and um, um, get ready to call them up Pat anything to add to that no not at all I think that's that's a great summary of the kind of things that can go wrong coming back to the airport you bet well, we are at 45 minutes, so we're going to have to wrap up part two of now maybe a part three series because I really wanted to talk instrument stuff. I can't wait to hear about all of the mistakes, common errors, faux pas that instrument pilots make on their checkride day. But until we get a chance to record that episode, let's, let's all keep flying safely and stay behind the prop. Thanks for checking out the Behind the Prop podcast. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out online at BehindTheProp.com. Behind the Prop is recorded in Houston, Texas. Creator and host is Bobby Doss. Co-host is Wally Mulhern. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to replace actual flight instruction. Thanks for listening and remember, fly safe. Fly safe.